We have the Scarlatellas here. Thank you so much for coming in. Tina and Anthony, how are y'all doing? Good, thank you. Doing good. I don't know if you know this, but your family story is one of the reasons why we started this podcast. Oh. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, we were at, at an axe retreat and Anthony, I heard your story and it moved me a lot. It was right before the pandemic. It was the last axe retreat at St. Faustina before the pandemic. And when we got locked down and everything, you know, you'd spend time reflecting and thinking and praying and and Herm was trying to get me to start something, a podcast. And I remembered your your story and I said, you know, we need to get a more of a connection with uh, with our with the other families in the parish because we're all, you know, separated. I said, people need to hear stories like this. So yeah, y'all's story is one of the reasons why we have this podcast. Awesome. Yeah. Nice I don't think I've ever told you. I've never no. told you that, right? No. <laughs> That's very nice. Now y'all have been with, have you been with St. Faustina since the beginning um, or, or just early on? Early on. We were still in the, in the warehouse? No. Hubenac. 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 Okay. Yes. We attended a few mass at Hubenac. Uh-huh. But at the time, we were still at St. John Vianney. Were you there since you were young, both of y'all? Mm. No, we were attending St. Teresa before, uh-huh. but we had gone to St. John Vianney. Um, it was a little closer, and I think it just worked better with the kids because they were in CCE. Okay. And so when we came to St. Faustina at Hubenac, they didn't have, it was all at home and uh-huh. so we were early on, yeah. Yeah. And Tina was Tina was volunteering at St. John Vianney and then so was I. Um she was with the younger kids and I was with the older kids. Did you both grow up Catholic? Um I grew up Catholic. Um very cradle Catholic, families Catholic. Um yeah. No, I did not grow up Catholic. You didn't grow up Catholic. So Italian but not Italian, right? Yes. But Sc- not Scarlatella is Italian. Or culturally, was it culturally Catholic? Well, we would attend um, Mass during Christmas or maybe Easter once in a great while. Uh-huh. But normally, uh, it was only at the behest of like my grandmother on uh-huh. my father's side. Um, but we didn't we didn't go to church. Um, we didn't go to, to Mass. So vastly different backgrounds. Yes, yes, I was uh, a Catholic, and he was not. What what did you call yourself? Well, I was, we had gone to the Baptist church, uh-huh. uh, but then at, I think when we were dating, I was spiritual. Okay. So you were, you're a free agent. <laughs> I was, uh, that was. Did you try out a whole bunch of other, you know, denominations? Um, no, I mean, I, I, my family was attending the, the church of Christ uh-huh. um, and my mother was attending the Baptist church. And so I would, I mean, I would, I would just go. And and be a part mm-hmm. when I was with them. When I was alone, it was when uh, I didn't go. It was like, yeah, I've got other things to do. That typical, right? Thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> typical young adult. <laughs> yeah, I, I was at that point as well. How about you, Tina? Were you I was, devout from I, the beginning? Yes, I uh, lived at the church. Basically, my parents mm-hmm. were both involved. They started the the mothers' group. My dad was part of the parish council. Um, almost every day we were at the church, which was Sacred Heart Co-Cathedral at the time, uh-huh. um, weekends, weekdays. And so growing up, I was always told I had to marry a Vietnamese Catholic. 
Oh, it had to be Vietnamese Catholic. Uh, it has to be Vietnamese Catholic because my parents did not speak English. <laughs> so to marry a Vietnamese Catholic it would be easier for them to communicate. Um, uh-huh. So I tried that for a while, but I just did not find the right one. Uh-huh. And then uh, one day I'm like, no, I'm just going to find someone that loves God and that will love me. And I think as soon as I made that um, connection with just being in, um, someone that loves God and loves me, mm-hmm. then, then God introduced Anthony into my life, which he's not Vietnamese. <laughs> he was not Catholic uh-huh. and did not have most of the criteria that I would have selected, but it's how God works. So completely the opposite end of the spectrum of what your parents were saying. <laughs> yes. Completely different spectrum. Um, I honestly didn't like big nose people and Anthony has big nose, but it's just interesting how God answers your prayers. You know, he doesn't okay. give you what you want, but he gives you what you need. And, how, and how did y'all meet? Um, we worked together. Okay. Yeah. So I think we worked together for a while, but we, our paths just never cross. And then one day, um, he just kept coming to my office, you know, like, oh, yeah, I was like, oh, you need help with something? Oh, you, know, <laughs> you left this somewhere. Oh, you know, so it's just kind of. So were you, is that why you're interested in her? Is that why you were passing by the office a lot? Well, I, I think at the time I was, uh, um, I remember being invited to her office party or something um, at one of our locations. And, uh-huh. and I remember that she just made me feel special. Um, uh, I was... I guess a representative of the division. And so she, you know, I, it was kind of like she was taking care of the party and she just kind of welcomed me. And I just remember, you know, how, how her sparkly her eyes were and just how, how, how warm her smile was. And, and yes, then I, we got working on a project together. And then, yes, I was... Um, how did you react, Tina? Were you like, nope, doesn't fit the criteria of, of the parents or? The funny thing is I was, I thought he was interested in a coworker. So I was trying to introduce him to my coworker, uh-huh. but they're like, no, he's not interested in her. He's interested in you. And so I think that's when we um, went on our first date. I invited him out to lunch mm-hmm. and um, I treated him to Quiznos. And so he was like surprised that I would pay um on a first date, but I, that was my rule is I pay on the first date. Uh-huh. And was it sparks right away? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. So, so you did more chasing, Anthony, than Tina? Was that it? or? I, I think I had to really chase him down. Oh, really? I, I, I did. I felt like I had to chase him down. Really? And... So you both are very involved in the church together. So how did that develop from from where you, where you were, Anthony, with you know just the Christmas and Easter background to to getting to where we are now? How did that all come about? Was uh, it did it happen while you were dating her? So when we were started to date, we both agree that religion, faith would be a big part of our cornerstone of our relationship. Um, when we decided to get married, um, we were going to be open to him 
going to the Baptist church and, you know, how I would go to the Baptist church with him and he would go to the Catholic church with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but early on, it kind of sparked some kind of tension. Okay. There's a period of time where he was asking a lot of Catholic questions mm. and it came across very um, maybe condescending. Um, maybe I didn't fully understand how or what questions he was asking. It just came across very... Um, Negative. Uh-huh. And so that really put a, a strain on our relationship. And so we decided to go to, um, was that Engage Encounter? I think during one of our uh, preparations for marriage, you know, we discussed that a little bit more. Um, we decided that he wasn't going to convert to be a Catholic to ma- to get married in a Catholic church. Really? At so, that point, huh? Yeah. So at that point when we planned our wedding, we had the full mass offered to all of our guests, uh-huh. but to be united with Anthony, I decided that I was not going to receive communion um, at the wedding. Oh, wow. And so at the time, I did not realize the sacrifice that I was making. Mm-hmm. My goal was just to be united with Anthony. And my main thing was the sacrament of marriage was the most important sacrament for that day. And uh-huh. that I could receive this you know, sacrament of communion the next day. Uh-huh. Um, I think that was maybe the starting point of Anthony's conversion because he saw how much I cried on the wedding day. Really? And I didn't realize how much it impacted me until the actual wedding, you know, like uh-huh. everyone's around you is receiving Jesus and you're not able to. But I wanted to make sure that I was united with him. Uh-huh. And I think God bless us with that decision because eventually Anthony um, decided that he was going to enter the church. How did that, what was going through your mind? So was she crying there at the ceremony itself? Yes, we were, um, we were kneeling. Uh-huh. Uh, and I guess at the altar at the stairs and all around us, folks were coming up for, for Eucharist for communion. And I, I was looking at her and she was, she was weeping. She was, tears were just coming down and it was our, our wedding day. And, and I could, I, I saw that. I saw her crying. I saw her, her, you know, her, her tears. And I think that, well, that moved me at that time. I mean, I uh-huh. was very, um, I, I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't like it. You know, it was yeah, our wedding day, our happy bride. day, yeah. and then she's she's there, and and so I didn't understand um, what I had asked her to do at that um, because we had talked about it, and we and that was kind of one of the things I I had asked her, um, and and then she did make that decision. In your mind, was it still just bread? In your mind, yes, I, I think because in. Growing up, it was kind of a, a remembrance thing, uh-huh. and so is it the true body and blood, the presence? Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, I, I did not. You did not. It was just bread to you at that time. Yes, you I, didn't recognize what it really was. No, no, I did not. So, how did that move on? Did you have a conversation on your honeymoon or something? Or? No, um, we we went on marriage life, um, and then eight months into our marriage, it was rocky. And so we decided to go to marriage encounter. 
And so most people don't go to marriage encounter, you know, within eight months of your marriage. Uh-huh. But I knew that I wanted to handle any conflicts early on. So yeah. at the marriage encounter weekend, we met a priest and he um, talked to us extensively about the process of RCIA. Growing up, I assume that if you join RCA, you've made the commitment to become a Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, at the retreat, I, I learned that you can join RCIA just to learn more about the Catholic faith, mm-hmm. and you can make the decision at a later time to join the church. So no pressure. It was to, no pressure, yes. Uh-huh. And so I think that was kind of like another eye-opener. For myself, I mean, I was a cradle Catholic. I, I, I never understood that. I just thought RCA equals... Equals you're on the path. Yeah, yeah, you're becoming a Catholic. So I think that really helped us. And he started to attend the the, the classes, the sessions. Um, and I would join him when I could. Mm-hmm. And so I think that helped with our communication of when he was asking questions about the faith. Um, I didn't feel like he was belittling me for not being able to defend the faith or answer the questions in a way that he would understand. And there were people who are better equipped, who are trained in it, who've yes. done it for years, yes. who could answer those questions. Yes. Well, you know, as a cradle Catholic, you learn through traditions. Mm-hmm. You learn through living, you know, like living the faith. Yes. And so I did not know scripture, you know, verses off the top of my head. Uh-huh. What for, you know, I did not have all the answers. Um so it was very frustrating for me because then sometimes I felt like maybe I'm not a good Catholic for not, uh-huh. you know, and he never experienced the tradition of, you know, going to church, going to mass and doing things the way, you know. And yes, part of faith is just believing without seeing, you know, uh-huh. like that's what I knew. And so, but it helped us. Like he was able to understand that. We don't worship Mother Mary. We honor her yes. because she's the mother of Jesus. Um, and just because we go to a priest to confess, that doesn't mean that we're not having a relationship with Jesus directly. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus is using the priest yes. to give us the audio of you are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And so I think once we were able to understand that, then our marriage got a little bit better because it wasn't the, oh, why are you attacking my faith? Uh-huh. Were those the, the major issues for you, Anthony, the Mary and and confession? Were those the, the major points for you? Well, growing up or attending the Baptist church, those were the things that I always came up as as uh as um like questions about the Catherine doctrine, uh Catholic doctrine. Uh-huh. Um like solo scripture. Solo Scriptura, uh, uh-huh. Solo Fide, all that, um, and so when we did, when I when I we attended the RCIA, those folks like Linda Kanaki and the team at Saint Teresa um, were well equipped because what what happened was I would ask her a question and I would tend to quote the scripture, uh-huh. and because that's what was taught in the Baptist church, mm-hmm. they they kind of go and say, oh, here's a Roman, here's Romans. You have to quote this particular verse. Here's Ecclesi- here's you know this particular verse. yes. And so when I did that, that that her response, she she couldn't do the same. Uh-huh. But these folks in the RCIA program, they they did know that stuff, and so they helped me realize the fullness of the truth. 
And and so Mother Mary was was one of the questions that came up. Because um, um, from a, I guess, a, a, non, a non-Catholic, seeing the church and seeing how they pray that the Hail Mary, it looks like, at least from that time in my life, that I was... Uh, that they were worshiping Mary, uh-huh. um, but the praying to Mary, honoring M- Mary, um, because there is that connection that the Catholic faith really has with the eternal. That, as a non-Catholic, you don't realize you don't realize that there is this real connection with eternity and and the heavens, all the all the souls that have gone before us, mm-hmm. they're reaching out to us. The saints, they're all, they're all praying for us. And we have that true connection that you, I didn't know. I didn't know. And I think the good folks at St. Teresa helped me see that. How long did it take you to, to, you know, to really make that connection? Was it a long process or... It was. It was a long time because I think it was like a year and a half I was going to the RCIA program. Well, this is where God's miracle works, right? So almost about the same time where Anthony uh, was entering RCIA, we found out that we could not have kids. Mm. And so dealing with that struggle, sorry. No, it's okay. It's understandable. Yeah. Dealing with that struggle, it was... It was um, comforting that Anthony was going through the RCA process because we started the adoption um, process. We were going to classes, and that was always my concern is when we have kids, how am I going to teach the kids Mm -hmm. the Catholic faith if it's just me, Catholic, and Anthony's not? Um, So that was a concern, but um, by God's grace, he entered the the Catholic Church about the same time that we finalized the year and a half uh, process that we had the kids, you know, as we were fostering them, uh-huh. the struggle of us, if we we're going to fight to adopt them. And then, you know, just, I think God was with us the entire time. So it was like the adoption process and Anthony's conversion all kind of um, coincide uh-huh. with each other. And I think he entered the church when when we celebrated um, Isabella's first birthday. So it was kind of neat to kind of have that journey be at the same time. So you hadn't fully converted yet when you began that process, huh, of adopting the kids. So, but you but you had a, agreed that you'd raise the kids. Yes, Catholic. when we had gone through marriage prep uh-huh. with um, with Father Miguel, uh, one of the stipulations to getting married into the to the church was we would raise the children Catholic. Uh-huh. And at that time, I wasn't strong in my faith as a Baptist. or or, And so to me at the time, it didn't matter. Uh, I, like, I, I was like, sure, okay. Sure, whatever, yeah. What? <laughs> and, so, and so, yeah, sure. You know, you, I, didn't, I didn't have a... I you didn't, didn't have, have a strong opinion either way. No. Okay. Um, I guess the opinion came later when we were talking about when when they get older, I wanted them to have the choice of like if, you know, when they're done learning about all this and let's say they're 18, Mm -hmm. then they would have the choice. Um, uh, 
I'm opposed to that now. Well, they still have a choice when they're confirmed. Yes, they have yes. to. They have to make that choice and say the words. <laughs> yes, definitely. But it helps to have both parent kind of be united. Oh yeah. Uh, especially during oh, our yeah. teenage years, it's, it's very important to have um, us being united, especially in our faith. And um, it's interesting that the roles are reversed now. Before I was the ca- the Catholic Catholic. Uh-huh. And now I'm a secondary Catholic, where Anthony <laughs> is the Catholic Catholic, you know? So it, it's it's just, all I could say is it's amazing how God, you know, plans out things for us. You know, I think when I needed to be, I was the, the strong Catholic spearhead. Uh-huh. Um, and now Anthony is, he he is the, the head of the household and he guides us. There are some days where I'm like, I don't want to go to church. And he's like, you have to go to church. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know? But it, it's been really nice to see him on fire. Mm-hmm. You know, we were at mass one day and the men's came back from an axe retreat. And he sat there and he heard the men sing. And I looked at him. I'm like, are you interested? He's like, I don't know. Maybe I guess, you, you know? And so I just signed him up. I was signed this at St. Faustina? This was at St. Oh, Faustina. Then, that was my group then. Yeah. So an- Antonio and yeah. Yeah. So I signed him up for the men's acts retreat and I told him about it. He was like, oh, I can't. I can't take off work. I'm like, yeah, just. <laughs> I said the same thing. Yeah. So I'm like, you just got to do it. You just got, There's never going to be a good time. And so yeah. I just remember yeah. hearing him talk about how he wanted that. When he saw mm-hmm. the men up there singing and just kind of the, the fellowship. Uh-huh. And I wanted that for Anthony. And he wanted that, but he just didn't know how to do it. And so I just kind of kicked him in. I'm like, hey, I signed you up and, and you're going. And so it's been really neat. That really set the fire in him. And he's, I think every position that he could volunteer at church, he's volunteering, you know, from EM. He's on the pastoral council. So you said that she had just turned one when you had completed the adoption process. How was how did that start? What uh, what decision made you you know go to? It to, wasn't the adoption because she was older. That was. It was still the uh, the fostering process. Okay, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. So when we found out that we couldn't have kids, um, and then I started to research the adoption, we had to be married two years before we could start the become eligible okay we were two months shy of that and but they allowed us to attend the classes because when we finished the class we would technically be finished with our two years uh-huh. and so um yeah so we attended class in october and by no by january we got that phone call they're like we have three little angels that needs home and i looked at anthony and i'm like well, no, I didn't look at him, but I called him. I'm like, hey, you know how you wanted a girl and then you wanted a boy and then you wanted a girl? I'm like, that's what they're calling us for, you know? And so they called us and they're like, we have a girl, a boy, a girl sibling um, that needs a home. They have special needs. They have medical needs. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, we decided that... Um, we were going to say yes to uh-huh. God and to, to, so we said yes. And then they called us and they're like, no, nah, never mind. What? I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, uh, no, they're, they're already in my heart. And so we had to fight. Um, 
to get them. And then a month later, they entered our home. Wow. And you hadn't met them yet? No, we didn't know anything about them besides their name and their the their ages and the needs that they would need. Wow. And so, um, yeah. So at the time, the oldest was three and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, our son was just turned two. Mm-hmm. And the baby was seven months old. Let's rewind just a little bit, Anthony. Let me ask you a question because you said that you hadn't fully converted yet when you, you know, when you considered, um, you know, adopting or fostering. At any point, did any thought come into your head about, okay, well, maybe this marriage isn't for me because you know you're not as strong in your faith. I I think when we were we were trying to have children, mm-hmm. and um, I I I don't think that I had that thought because. In my, in my heart, in my mind, marriage was very important. So having that doubt wasn't there. Um, I was committed to to being married, uh-huh. and that's because I, I, though I didn't have that um, that religious um, foundation. Both my grandmother and my mother um, struggled in their marriage in their in their life, uh-huh. um, and so. I didn't want that. And so being married, I was committed. And we struggled with, with having children. Um, we, Tina did the, um, like she went to the doctor. Um, I went to the doctor. And uh-huh. um, ultimately what happened, we, we took a, a walk around the block. Mm-hmm. And we decided that, you know what, we, we've talked about having children. We want children. We did talk about having three or more or however many we were going to be blessed with. And we kind of remember that, hey, you know, we, we can always adopt. I mean, because we don't want to, we don't want to do the other things that they have because um, we weren't sure if those were acceptable or not. Uh, yes. um, and then the danger that they could have. And so we, we decided that we were going to, we were going to foster and then we were going to learn um, like we wanted a baby, and so we we joined or we did the uh, the fostering training and the adoption training. Uh, we worked through one of the the locals because to to like a, adopt a kid a baby costs a lot of money. Uh-huh. And at the time we we were not uh, wealthy enough to to go and so but but we did do the training and we we did get the phone call. And uh-huh. I remember I was at the office and she did call me. And we had planned for just one. We were, we had, I think we had one room set up at the house with uh, furniture for a girl. We had gone. So the one room was already in. <laughs> yes. So because we, we had bought the white furniture with the purple and pink kind of flip thing. Uh-huh. And we had it all set up. Um, this was like for Christmas or January or something. And she called me and I was in my office at, at the job. And she said, I have some news. And like, you know, they, they're calling us because I was thinking that they were calling us. And, uh-huh. and she said there were three, three. And I'm like, three. <laughs> and and I, I, I think I reminded her, we just wanted one, right? We just wanted one. Um, but she did say there were three. And I could hear her across the phone line. I could hear that desire, that and then for a moment there, I prayed, like, 
And I was like, okay, I guess we're walking through this door. <laughs> and, and, um, and yes, I think we were, I was in that R- RCIA at the time. They, and so, you, so you had that quick doubt, but you, Tina, you were like, nope, we're going to go with this, huh? I just felt like God was just revealing his plans. Because, you know, when we were dating, we talked about having a girl and then yeah. a boy and then a girl because <laughs> we didn't want the, the middle child to have middle child syndrome because uh-huh. if he's the only boy, then he's the only boy, you know? Yes. And um, We even named him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had names. Right <laughs> but, um, but also because I think we both studied child psychology, psychology, me with um, uh, with child psychology, uh-huh. and then finding out that these three kids um, have special needs, and that would you know, I felt like God was preparing us for these three kids. Um, there were moments that I felt like maybe God was punishing me uh, and not allowing me to have kids because uh-huh. some of the choices I've made in the past. Uh-huh. Um, so that was kind of like a little bit of a doubt at some point, but then when God was lining things up, you know, God introduced Anthony. Um, and even when we were dating, I kind of knew that we weren't going to be able to have kids just because I knew what his his medical background was. You know, as a child, uh-huh. he you know he went through cancer and radiation and oh. stuff like that. So in the back of my mind, I always knew that there's a, a possibility, uh-huh. but I I was still hopeful. You know, so and we definitely didn't want to do the IVF because we wanted to make sure if it was our kids. Or none at all. You know, I didn't want to use another person's sperm and, uh-huh. and my egg. And, you know, we didn't want to do surrogate, you know. so we, Yeah. And there's so many kids out there that needs homes. And mm-hmm. so that's our dis- that's where our decision came through and to, to adopt. Did you wrestle with that idea for a while? Like, it, it, am I being punished? Did you speak with a priest about it? Or I did. I, I definitely, because... I mean, I've made a lot of bad decisions, you know, as a teenager, you know, um, coming from a very strict parent, coming from parents that were divorced. Um, I think I was just seeking attention and, and love in all the wrong places. Mm. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I did not respect a lot of the things that I did in the past. And so I did felt like God was punishing me, even though I know that's not his ammo. Like God doesn't do that. Uh-huh. I, I struggle with that. And, it was at a retreat where I went to confession with the priest and says, God has forgiven you already. Why haven't you forgiven yourself? Oh, I think yeah. that kind of opened the door to me accepting the blessings that God has prepared for me. So you get thrown this in your lap. Three kids with medical issues, special medical needs, and you just you run with it. Yeah, she just ran with it. <laughs> so you had to, you, instead of just one room set up, huh? You, you, you had to, you had to. Yeah, we ch- went out and got a crib. We got a boy's room. We got him a bunk bed set. I mean, I think we had everything ready. Uh-huh. And on that day, we're like, we don't have any food. So we ran out to Target that day to, I don't know what I was thinking. I picked up some Chef Boyardee canned food. like. Uh-huh. So we pulled in right as um CPS pulled in with the kids and I just remember them entering in our like the moment they entered our our house it's like already in our hearts you know mm-hmm. like 
I could always remember what they were wearing and what they did. And oh. Izzy was just a little butterball sitting in her like car seat, and I was just so ready to like pick her up. Um, Joe came in with his sunglasses upside down, you know, with his little <laughs> curly hair. And Gabby had like the beautiful curly pigtails, you know. And when we showed them their room and they're like, my room, JoJo's bed. And, you know, they jumped on it. It was just like, it just felt so right. And, um, yeah, it just felt like this is what God wanted for us. And But, you know, that's beautiful. You know, we're taking on kids, but I think I end up putting a lot of pressure on myself because these are someone else's kids uh-huh. that I'm responsible for now. Yes. And, and I hear people say, even if you give birth to your kids, they're not really your kids. God's giving them to you. Mm-hmm. But it was just an, the, the extra pressure of, okay, these parents— and trusting their kids, and we have to make sure that we raise them right, and that we protect them, and guide them, and give them love. And so, it, th- those are always the struggle of any parent, right? But yes. More so for me as an adoptive mom, I feel like I have that extra pressure. Do you the, ever feel that way? Do I feel the extra pressure? No, I think I have a lot of pressure just being their dad. <laughs> 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 now you said that they they have medical issues and medical needs did was that a struggle was that a big challenge for y'all early on for me no because i think i was running on adrenaline Um, i I love them so you know multiple visits to the doctors physical therapy occupational therapy medicine you know whatever it is that i needed to do to get the kids in a healthy uh, way i did you know dentist appointment, doctor's appointments, uh-huh. you know, play dates. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to be able to quit my job and be a full-time mom for them for a while. while, And that helped me connect with them and really just, I, I didn't know any better. You know, these are my kids, so I, I do whatever I need to do. Now, I, I have some uh, friends that, that fostered and the child was taken back to the you know the biological parents was there any danger of that happening with y'all oh yes <laughs> yeah when we did the adoption we stated that we want to adopt foster fully. to fully adopt mm-hmm. um somehow that didn't translate correctly <laughs> in our file so uh-huh. the the kids that we have they were not um the term is legally free for adoption okay and so we actually had to have like family visits um, with their biological family, and we had to go to take them to court and stuff like that. And so that did put a strain in our marriage. Um, there was one point in our marriage where I wasn't sure if we were going to make it because I wanted to fight for the kids. And uh-huh. he was like, is this the right thing to do? Or do we fight for the kids? Or do we, you know, let return them? And so, To their biological family. Yes, uh-huh. to the biological family. And I was like, I... I at the time, I felt like the biological family was not doing enough to fight for them. And so we can't just give up and let them be returned and then perpetually come back into the system. Oh, yeah. So that was just kind of like my mind. That my, would be damaging to the children having to go back into the— To go back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, we—I we, we I guess during that process, we, we saw the, the lack of evidence that they were getting ready for the return of the children. Mm. Um, and— the father was uh, in the biological father was in jail, and the the biological mom was 
barely making it to whatever she needed to do. Uh-huh. She only prolonged the process. Um, and so we had had an opportunity to speak with her. Um, oh, really? And during the, the time, because we needed her to give up her rights. Yes. Uh, and so I remember I during one of the court sessions, I had an opportunity to speak to her privately to talk to her and, uh-huh. and tell her that, you know, you can give these kids a gift, you know, give them, um, give them the opportunity to grow up in a loving home, um, be able to have opportunities that you'll never have. So. That's always the struggle because, you know, when you pray, you don't want to pray for anyone suffering. You know, like I, I could not pray, God, give me these kids. You uh-huh. know, I think the whole time I was praying, let your will be done. You know, like if it was God's will for these kids to be returned to their biological family, which is ultimately the best place for the kids, you know, if that's possible, then I wanted to be able to accept that. And if my part in helping them for however many months get them to a good point where they can be Uh reunited, then I want to be able to accept that. And so I didn't dare to say, oh, I want the kids because for me, if I pray, oh, let me have the kids, that means I'm praying that she'll lose her kids, uh-huh. you know? And so that was a, a little bit of a struggle to to remind myself, just pray for God's wills to be done mm-hmm. and and just do what I felt I had peace. You know, like if I exhausted all the efforts that we had, because we had to end up hiring a lawyer and putting financial um, restraints on our family, but we were willing to do that to make sure that we did everything we could to to protect and help the kids to our full ability. And if the court deemed that the kids needed to be reunited, then we were going to accept that. I can imagine that be a struggle. Like, is this God's will or my will? Me trying to impose my own will. Yes. I think it, we were fighting. We were on the stairs of our house and... Um, I was ready to like sign divorce papers. I'm like, if you don't want to fight for the kids, well, this is it. You know, like, the, you know, but then calmly thinking, I'm like, I understand where he was coming from because we don't want to f- feel like we're stealing or snatching or like, uh-huh. you know, because it can come across like that. Yeah. And so it was just asking people to be united with us in prayer for God's will to be done and whatever obstacles that God faced, if it's his will, mm-hmm. then we will overcome it. I could see where you were coming from. Like you don't want to, that guilt later on of thinking, did I just snatch somebody else's kids from them when they could have had that chance? I can, I can see that. Yes, yes. We, and that, I think that we were saying the same thing, but we were coming from two different perspectives. Mm. And, um, and, and yes, but it was evident that the, the biological mom wasn't doing what she needed to do that needed to be done because uh-huh. these these three children had real needs that had to be addressed and we were addressing them. Tina was taking uh, taking the medicine um, serious, the the doctor visits serious uh-huh. because the youngest, um, I mean, she she may have been blind, she may have never walked, really, she, and she, you know, you from what I read in the doctor's notes. Uh, and and um, just the prognosis for her was uh-huh. was not good. She didn't learn to walk until much later. Wow. Uh, she didn't crawl. She kind of just dragged her, scooted. Uh-huh. Um, but but yeah, it was. But I think just the love and the care that Tina put in to the kids helped her recover. Um, 
to where she is now. I mean, you couldn't even tell. Did you struggle at any point with forgiving the biological parents? One of the things I had to do was testify um, during his trial. And at that moment, I remember that I, I was not angry. I was there just to provide the information that I knew from my standpoint. The facts, just the, the, the facts. The facts, yes. Mm -hmm. But um, I, we did receive a letter from him, and he asked for forgiveness. Um, and I felt like it wasn't my place to forgive him. It's like, you know, um, it's one of those blessing in disguise kind of kind of deal. And I feel like um, God put pain and suffering so that we could have joy, you know? So it, it's very unfortunate that the kids went through that. Um, and it was unfortunate that the, their parents were young. And I do not feel like they were intentionally uh, wanting to harm their kids. Uh -huh. um, I, I'm 100% I'm confident about that. People make mistakes. People make bad decisions. Um, but the the beauty is that they both acknowledged that they could not be the best parents for the kids at the time. Uh -huh. And so they did relinquish their rights and ask us if we could care for their kids. And so at that moment, it was no longer an anger issue for me. Like, uh -huh. how did you, why did you do that? It was more of, okay, we will do our best to protect and love and care for your kids uh -huh. until you're ready to, to meet them again. Was that long after that conversation you had with the mother, Anthony? I, I think that the, the father had already signed the relinquishment papers. At that um, point. And, but it was, um, it was harder for her to, to, to do that. Oh, yeah. It was definitely harder. It was not an easy decision, but um, it, it was definitely a gift that she gave to the kids because it could have been dr drawn out for a longer time. Mm. And who knows what the outcome could be because we were already kind of like at our like breaking point yeah. um, emotionally, mentally, uh, yeah, financially. We, we were going to court all the time. It was draining because it's, it's, you're kind of stuck in this limbo uh -huh. and, and we needed to have a resolution. What are we going to do? We, we've got to move forward. This constantly going and meeting you for 30 minutes. Um, that way you could to see them, but you're really not engaged in their life. You're not, yeah. you're not doing what you're, you're making 10 bucks an hour working part time how are you going to provide for these kids? You don't drive, you don't have a car. Uh -huh. What is your real plan? How are you going to do this? And we can do it. We, we, we have the ability to do that, to help these kids right now. Uh -huh. um, and and look, let's look for the best of these children. What can we do? And so, so yes, then she decided to relinquish her rights. And, uh -huh. and I think... It was good for her because she was young and, you know, hopefully she took that blessing, that opportunity, and and hopefully she's in a better place. Did you have any difficulty with the kids, you know, and their attitude toward the adoption? Or were they too young? Mm. We go through cycles. Um, and, and now we're in the teenage phase, so <laughs> oh, we're not quite sure, um, you know, what we're 
can't be 100% sure. You know, I'm, uh-huh. I'm sure I mean, we've been very honest with the kids as far as, you know, they know that, that they've, they're adopted. Um, I, I know they have questions. You know, I think our, our, the oldest daughter um, has some recollection. Um, I, I think every child has some kind of story that they want to stick to or that they've made in their heads. Uh-huh. Um, and we try to check in with them and ask them if they have any questions. You know, um, at some point they, they did ask questions and we provided answers, um, you know, but, but we're not them. So it's kind of hard, even though we tell them and we shower them with love and affection mm-hmm. and structure and attention. Um, we anticipate that they will have more questions, uh-huh. you know, um, and we want to be as honest as possible, but at the same time, make sure that they're prepared and ready to to receive the answers that they're asking. So, do you do you live with like a fear of them all of a sudden one day saying, "I want to go back to my biological parents"? Absolutely, uh, for me, absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, but if God's will, if that's what if, if that's what they need to heal, then I'm okay with that. Like you have to be. You know, like, um, yeah. I, I I think at some point they they do need to address it. It, it will be a part of that. Those those folks are a part of their lives, uh-huh. and and they they're going to have to address it as they get older. Um, how soon they'll do that, I don't know. Um, I I think I did fear that the oldest was more more wanting to do that early, but I think the older she's gotten the less she seems interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's kind of a cycle because um, I think the youngest one is a little bit more interested in it now. And uh-huh. so it's, and I think the, our son seems to be the most distant from it, um, just talking to them. Um, so it's, but they've all kind of gone through the same, like who, where am I coming from? Where am I from? Who, who am I really? Um, kind of those kind of things but and so we I try to remind them that you know you are who you are you are you know our son you're our our daughter um you know this is where you live be grateful um you know you you know you're my son you're my daughter you're Scarlettella um yes you have these other people from your past and I encourage you to to seek them out at some point in your life uh-huh. uh, because you, you'll have questions for them and then you can ask them and and you can show them who you are. Um, don't be disappointed with them. Don't be angry with them. Don't be upset with them. Be sure you that you thank them for, for the gift that they've given you, that you've been able to uh, prosper and, and become who you are because when I look at them now, they are, um, yeah, I know they're, they're teenagers, but... I can see who they're going to be, uh-huh. and I'm very hopeful of who they're becoming. How much contact do they have at this point with their biological family? So there's none. Um, when we adopted them, we did tell the family that we were open to having an open adoption, um, but we have not been contacted. Oh. So and that was the other struggle is how much do we tell them we just don't know the, the factors on the other family, you know? And so uh-huh. 
Do they want to see the kids? I don't know. I don't want to tell my kids, okay, when you turn 18, you're going to go see your parent, you uh-huh. know, and what if they don't, you know, so it, it, it's, it's hard, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to protect them, but I get what they're wanting, uh-huh. but I don't know how to give that to them because I don't have the answer. There's no 100% certainty. You yeah. Know? And it's different for each kid's personality too. Yes. Yes. And so what we've, been telling them is, you know, when the time is ready uh-huh. and if you're wanting, then yeah. we would do what we can, you know, but I think that's all that we can say at this point is, um, I just hope that they are in a good place and that, you know, that they will be at some point able to, to meet and be able to kind of answer any questions that they may have, um, that won't change the fact that there are kids uh-huh. and if they feel like they want a relationship with them. That's great. You know, again, it goes back to, it doesn't have to be either or mm-hmm. you can have two sets of parents. You can have, you know, more people to love them. Yeah. That's what it I mean, is. it takes yeah. a village. It, it definitely takes a lot of family support, you know, to become a successful person. So hopefully that would be good for them. And hopefully we're doing what we you know, need to do as parents to raise them and guide them and teach them and give them structure and love on them. And we see you at church all the time. <laughs> and like, and like I said, you know, I, we, y'all are one of the, your story is one of the, the stories that, uh, you know, that inspired, uh, partially inspired this podcast. It, it, it was like a little seed that was planted going through so that connection with the axe retreat, you were, so you saw the the guys on the axe retreat and she signed you up. Did you say no? Did you try to get out of it or? Well, I think what happened is that first year that you all returned and you all were processed down the, you know, the, the aisle and then you sat there and at the end of mass, all the all got up there and you started singing your theme song. Yes. And I remember telling Tina, I want to do that. Uh-huh. It was about a year later, I think, or I guess maybe half a year later when the announcement for the next Axe Retreat uh-huh. came up and thinking about work and all the things I had to do, <laughs> I was, um, I think she kind of surprised me about it and I was I was kind of interested, kind of excited, but at the same time, like, I have a lot of work to do. I, yeah. I don't know if I can really take off this time, you know, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I remember when she brought me on Thursday and kind of dropped me off and, you know, I mean. Yeah. And I remember. Gave him the boot, like, <laughs> take him. The, the bus ride, the bus ride out there was, I didn't want to be there. I, 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 was, I was thinking about how am I going to get the job done um, while I'm here? Because it's still Thursday, Friday. Uh-huh. And, um. But, but, um, but by the time I left, by the time I got back uh, to St. Faustina, I was so blessed, so lifted up my spirit. It was, um, it was really good. Now you hadn't been on the axe retreat at that point. Did, did you go after? No, I've been on other women's retreat. Uh-huh. I just haven't been called to go to the women's axe retreat. It'll happen when it's meant to happen. 
it's all in God's will. <laughs> I definitely believe that, yes. Now, y'all are, like we said earlier, y'all are involved in a bunch of different ministries at St. Faustina. What are, what are the different ministries y'all are involved in? Um, right now, I would say that I've taken a little bit of a backseat to volunteering. Because the kids are in their teenage years? Is that what it is? It, you know, like you can't um, pour from an empty cup. Mm. And so I think yes. right now I, I'm going through a little bit of a struggle. Okay. But um, wherever, whenever I can, uh-huh. if you need me to help mop the floor, take uh-huh. uh, umbrellas, help, you know, I'm there. But I just haven't been able to commit consistently uh-huh. to, um, but Anthony yeah, has it, been doing enough for both of us. So <laughs> that's, you know, I'll let him I share. Mean, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. You got to take care of yourself first. Yeah, it, I mean, we've had um, Marie Allendorf who was on the show. She talked, she talked about that as well, how she had to take a year, and she called it the year of Marie, where she just focused on herself. So how about you? So you're picking up the slack. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I've, I've been helping uh, Emily with the RCIA for the youth, mm. um, and then this past year I've been helping with the RCIA for the adults. I actually sponsored uh, a young man. Um, and then I've also, um, like Tina said, I'm in the pastoral council. So, and then I do the EM, the Eucharistic minister. Um, mm-hmm. and then. The audition to be a lector. <laughs> ah. I did. I, I went up there and I, I had a chance to read, uh-huh. uh, to read. And it was, it was interesting. I don't know how that will turn out, but, um. And he's been, um discerning about entering the deacon program. Oh. Uh, which makes me nervous because... Because you got to take the classes too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't feel like I'm deacon wife material. Oh. You know, um, but I, I'm going to be open to God's plan. If that's mm. where God takes our family, that's yeah. where he takes our family. But... Um, you never know because uh, the deacons we've had on the show, the permanent deacons, they've said that they... Thought that they weren't deacon material. and Well, he's probably deacon material. I'm not deacon's <laughs> wife material. We'll see. Or And even if it doesn't work out, it's still going to be better for yeah. y'all. And that's what they said. Yes. And, and that's the struggle. I think it's like we are volunteer people. You know, we're church people. Yes. Uh, so we're never going to not be in church or active or help out wherever we can with whatever means we we can with our time, our talent, our finances. So mm-hmm. um, God's definitely blessed us to be at St. Faustina, definitely bless us to meet people, to help us during the times that we're struggling. Uh-huh. And it's been great for us to give back. Um, you know, we're part of the uh, sponsorship couple for engaged couples. So we've helped three couples oh. uh, prepare for marriage. And so it's been, it's been really neat because we get so much out of it as we hope that we provided uh-huh. for them. Yes, we, we do the, the marriage ministry and then also Acts and the Acts core team. Mm. So I, that's a recent one. That's awesome. You know, one thing I want uh, to commend you about that I've seen in church is like how you share your Vietnamese culture with the kids. Because, you know, I sometimes see them wearing the, the traditional attire. That's awesome. That uh, is that something that your parents wanted you to do, or you just felt it yourself? You know, growing up, I really did not um, 
I didn't care about those things. I didn't care about the Vietnamese uh, culture very much. I didn't really put much thought into the Catholic faith. Uh -huh. um, but miraculously, as you become a parent, all of a sudden you become your mom, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I used to see my mom wear beautiful alias to church. And so I, I wanted to wear alias to church. And mm -hmm. when they were younger, they were more open to wearing them. Uh -huh. Now they're not so much. But um, yeah, and just doing things that my parents did that set that foundation um, I was in church, even though I didn't want to be in church. My kids are in church, even when they don't want to be in church. <laughs> you know, um, just trying to set that foundation. Yeah. Just trying to um, honor my religion, um, my culture by wearing the alias and just because uh -huh. that's something that you do when you dress up. And I remember Father Dad saying, "When you go to church, you should dress up." And yes, so th that's what. How about you, Anthony? You're you're Italian. Heritage is there? Is there anything that you that you or maybe you know your family has tried to pass down to the kids as well? No. <laughs> um, my mother is Bolivian. Oh, uh, is she? And I, I don't know if I pass on any traditions, though. I don't think that. Um, yes. So she was born in in uh, Cuchabamba, Bolivia. Okay. They they migrated here when she was uh, ten. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow, so so it's not just Italian; it's Italian slash Bolivian. Yes, so Italian, Irish, Bolivian, Brazilian. Okay, okay. so just a mutt. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to thank you guys so much for you know coming on the show and telling your story. It, it's it's very inspirational. Hopefully, there's you know there there are couples out there who are struggling, and and see this and and are inspired. Yeah, I mean. We've somehow find a way to make it work. I mean, we come from different cultural backgrounds. Mm -hmm. We came from different religious background. Um, we just had a lot of different things going against us. Um, our, in, in, our infertility struggles. Um, he's very academic. He likes to go to school, um, not so much. Mm -hmm. And so that was a struggle with him going to school all the time. But marriage is important. Um, growing up, my parents were divorced. Um, they didn't marry for love. You know, my siblings got married. They, they're all divorced. And so I kind of made a commitment that I'm not going to end up in divorce. And so uh -huh. as many times as I tell them, okay, divorce, let's just do it. You know, I'm like, no, we got we to gotta fight for it. And mm -hmm. so we've learned different, diff different things and techniques that we've used to help us. We attend like... Uh, Month, yearly like retreats like couples retreat or seminars and so we just trying to do what we can to to fight for our marriage and, and stay connected and hopefully be an example for our kids so that when they have family that they'll know they'll be able to pass that on yeah to their kids well thank you again and, and god bless you both thank you thank you <laughs>